up, everybody, and welcome to episode four of the Story Worth Sharing podcast. It is your host, Chris Shepard, and I'm here with Emmy Rodriguez. How's it going, Emmy? It's great, Chris. Great day. I'm excited to be here. Did you hear? I need to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe this is old news. I don't know. But I was on YouTube and I saw this video that was trending and it was James Corden talking about carpool karaoke. Okay. Have you ever watched carpool karaoke I have. before? Big fan. Okay. Yeah, so it was a, a response video that he put out about some controversy with carpool karaoke. Are you familiar with this? I've heard a little about it, but yeah. I haven't like read much into it. So than, apparently, yeah. and this was a while ago, apparently there was someone on the street and they videoed Justin Bieber and James Corden in the car doing carpool karaoke, except the car was on a trailer being pulled behind a truck. And the kid was freaking out. He was like, oh my gosh, it's Justin Bieber and James Corden doing carpool karaoke, whatever. Well, that video went viral and all of a sudden people started freaking out and they're like, oh my gosh, I've been lied to my whole life. Like, I can't trust anyone anymore. It's, he's not even driving. Okay. So how do you feel about that? I'm not super disappointed. I think I kind of had a feeling that it, they probably weren't driving super long or anything. <laughs> they probably were just driving in a circle. So, <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't wreck my dreams. Okay. Okay. Well, apparently it did wreck some people's dreams. Enough, I can see that. Enough that James Corden had to put out a response video because people oh, were freaking he? out about it. Yeah. So I he put out that. this video and he's talking and he was like, okay, people, um, I don't know if you realize this, but not everything you see on TV is real. Mm, I mean, I think that's fair. fair. Yeah, they get Mm -hmm. that. Uh, But then he he said, okay, here's a list of the people that I've used the trailer with. But 95% of the time, he said, he's like, 95% of the time, I'm actually endangering the lives of today's biggest pop stars. So you should give me some credit for that. But he said there were only actually five videos out of all of the carpool karaoke that they actually were on a trailer. Megan Trainers, Migos, Cardi B, Chance the Rapper, and Justin Bieber's third time on Carpool Karaoke. They were on a trailer. All the rest of them, he was actually yeah. driving. I wonder how they make that decision of like, mm, I'll probably be dancing more in this car, so I probably should not be driving. <laughs> That's actually what he That's said. That's probably what I would he be He said, thinking. if we feel like it's dangerous, if I'm like actually going to be learning dance moves or something, then we probably shouldn't That's, have me driving. That's fair. Yeah. Well, he's thinking of others. Yeah. Do you say? Okay, now we're on the driving topic. Yeah, I do sure. have something. Did you, I just recently found this out, that there are people that drive with both of their feet. Like to like gas, gas and brake? gas and brake. I did not know that was a thing. I don't know how I feel about that until <laughs> I got in the car with Jacob Thompson, who drives with both of his feet. Oh, wow. One, maybe it just shocks me because my brain doesn't work that way. So I'm like, I couldn't do it and get somewhere safely. Have, have I, you ever driven a standard once, not well. Okay. <laughs> well, if you've only done it once, it probably wasn't well. Yeah. So if you're driving a standard, you have to drive with both feet because you have to have a foot on the clutch and okay, a foot on the gas I'm at the same sure time. This is not a standard. Okay. So. Yeah. So if it's an automatic and driving with both feet, that's not just safe, people. He just learned how to drive that way. And it's that's, not, I that's just not told safe. him I probably won't get in the car with him anymore. But good fine. for you. Anyway, Looking out for yourself. Learn something new. Yeah, that's Didn't awesome. Know those people could do it. Well, so. I, I'm curious at this whole driving with both feet thing. I want to introduce today's guest and let's see what she let's thinks about it. driving with both feet. So today on the podcast, we have Jordan Burbank. You're not from Burbank, California, though, are you? No, but my family is. Oh, really? <gasps> yeah. My da- So my dad's from that area. Okay. And so it's like a oh. running joke. Like Nice. We Im- like My family invented Burbank, California. And <laughs> like it- all the time, too, in airports, they'll like ask us, you know, give them your name and number or something and- or your ticket, and they go, oh, are you traveling to Burbank today? 
<laughs> no, that's just no. my name. Is that what my ticket says? <laughs> we actually own Burbank, California. Like that would be amazing. Yeah, you know, little little tad bit be like, yeah, we own this part of Burbank. That's casual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Jordan is a student at Texas A and M, and she is involved with the college ministry at Brazos Fellowship, which is where Emmy and I are on staff. And she graciously agreed to come on the podcast today and share a little bit of her story. And so Jordan, people have no idea who you are, which is kind of the beauty of this podcast. We want to help people tell their story. And we also want our listeners to understand that you don't have to have some famous moment where you go viral or everybody knows your name or knows who you are for you to have a story that's worth sharing that just by breathing and living, we all have a story worth sharing. With that in mind, and the fact no one has any idea who you are, no offense, no, but yeah, none you, taken. Know, you <laughs> haven't gone viral yet. Maybe James Corden is going to call you and say, hey, um, will you do carpool karaoke with me? But it hasn't happened yet, right? Not yet, but okay. I'm working up to it. Okay. Don't, you'll see me soon there probably. Okay, cool. So I have heard you sing, so you do sing. That helps. Give a snapshot of Jordan Burbank in 30 seconds. So... Basically, Jordan Burbank, I am a student athlete at Texas A&M, very in involved with athletics, always have been. That's really been the focus of my life. Come from athletic family who played in college, and then that's always been where, like, my life story has gone. Okay, so you wake up in the morning thinking about athletics. You go to sleep at night thinking about athletics or <laughs> dreading much. the the yeah. gassers you have to do tomorrow morning oh. or whatever. Yes. And that's what I honestly just came here from workouts okay. too. So it's literally 24 seven, my life. It's crazy. Okay. Well, leading up to getting here to Texas A&M, if, if you were to look back, you know, it's, it's great for us to be able to sit here now and, and just think back. They say, what do they say? I mean, hindsight's 2020 or yeah, something like that. Right. Yeah. What have been some of those like moments, those pivotal moments in your life, maybe that helped shape who you are or got you to where you are or whatever? Man, some really like pivotal moments for me were just with soccer being like my focus in my life. When I, when I decommitted from the first school I was committed to was a huge turning point in my life. Not only just with friends, spiritual life, like my whole life was flipped upside down within a two week period. Okay. And just a little background information. I committed originally to University of Utah when Go I Utes. was a freshman. Utah Utes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I was committed there all the way up until November of my senior year. Oh, wow. So a really long time, really focused on that. And then went, decided something doesn't feel right and changed my outlook. Then decided, got called to go to Texas A&M. And had the opportunity within two weeks to decide, do I want to show up in January or show up in August? Mm. And it was the most like hard but rewarding two weeks of my life. Wow. Okay, so I want to talk about that two weeks. But before we do that, I, I would imagine most people listening to this didn't go through any kind of recruitment process. And yours was probably a little bit different because you recruited so early. But then there was obviously this frenzy kind of at the end. What was it like recognizing like people want me to be a part of what they have going on, part of their program, part of their team. Um, like they were seeking you out and they saw value in, in your skill. And, and we can talk about that more too, of the distinction between seeing value in you as a soccer player versus seeing value in you as a person. But what was it like as a middle schooler, as a early high school career of like, 
walking through that, making decisions that, I mean, they're going to shape the rest of your life. That's a huge decision for a freshman in high school to make. I cannot imagine. I don't know Gosh, what you were I doing, Emmy, oh, as a gosh. freshman, but I cannot imagine <laughs> no, as a freshman. I was trying to survive, okay? Yes. Survival. Like, I didn't want to be the, well, I was homeschooled, so I was the yeah. most popular kid. <laughs> oh, you class. were one of those kids. That's another story. Yeah, well, see, okay. Explain there's so much. There's no, there's a difference. <laughs> there's a difference between being homeschooled and being a homeschooler, right? Okay, so I was homeschooled, and then I always told people homeschoolers make their own clothes. So that, like, that's the, that's the distinction. Uh, like, we weren't, we weren't those people. We just were homeschooled. So anyway, I digress. But okay, so I know, and Emmy just said she was just trying to survive. I know what it looked like for me in high school. What was it like? My recruiting process started when I was in seventh grade. Wow. And so for soccer, between your seventh grade year and sophomore year of high school, that is when you will find your college and ultimately commit. Oh, my goodness. And this will sound cocky, but I always kind of knew I was supposed to be in college athletics. Coming from two collegiate athletic parents and then my dad playing professional baseball that was always my goal and expectation for my people mm-hmm. and so immediately like in seventh grade started getting recruiting and that was a focus and you know in seventh grade you're like I just want to meet friends <laughs> yeah. like I just want to go hang out and have yeah. sleepovers and that was not my life at all Wow! I was traveling to Dallas every week I was going to practice every night between six to ten it was very scheduled and so to finally have that point my freshman year to be like, okay, I'm committed. It was so much pressure just lifted from my shoulders. And then to keep going and then have it almost immediately placed all back on my shoulder was insane senior year. Because it's almost like if you decommit anytime after sophomore year, you're not going anywhere big. Like you're Mm. not going to school for soccer. Yeah, because those teams have already kind of figured out what their recruiting class looks like. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So then what what was that experience like for you? You you mentioned it earlier that all of that weight was lifted and then you felt like it was just put back on you and you had two weeks to make some really important decisions for your future. What was it like walking through that? I mean, walking through that was really in my time of life in that moment was when I had to fully like trust God completely with it. And it was something... I always grew up with, but was really unfamiliar because in the world of athletics, that's not a topic anyone really talks about. But my mom really pointed me in that direction and was just like, hey, listen, I know this is tough, but you have to trust that Mm -hmm. he will put you on the right path. Like you're going somewhere for a reason. And so there were just little signs everywhere for pointing to A&M, even when I was on campus at Utah. Wow. And so it was, so my roommate, just to, on that topic, my roommate was from College Station that I was supposed Easy. to room with. Oh, wow. And I had no idea about A&M at all. I visited here in eighth grade, but I was like, boo, I'm from Oklahoma. I don't like Texas. <laughs> exactly. I don't want to come here. But so my roommate was like, I love A&M. I love it, but I'm coming here. I was like, well, then what's the big, like, why wouldn't you go there? And so anyways, just back and then just really had to learn how to trust and know that whatever happens will happen. And just, I have to be happy with myself and know that I'm in a good place wherever I end up. So that obviously was a huge moment in your life. Um, what, what would you say were some other before, after that, what were some other moments for you that you look back and you're like, man, this played such a role in shaping who I am. I would definitely say this past year of school, we were in season and just, it was a hard season. I'll say that there were just some expectations that I didn't 
think I met that I was hoping to meet. And I really had to learn that I can't just do everything on my own. And I have to learn to kind of find community and find people mm-hmm. who will go through life with me. And also just really focus that it's not just me and God kind of a thing. And to where like there are other people out there who have relationships with God who do have different perspectives that I do. Oh, that's good. And it was a really pivotal moment in my life to find those other people who knew how to interact with me and how to help me along just my life. You mentioned those relationships that you started to build. And I, I can imagine growing up playing sports and that, and that being your identity and being your life. Certainly there probably were coaches along the way that spoken to you. And you, you mentioned your mom really helping define what faith looked like on your journey. Uh, you had parents to look up to that had walked the collegiate athlete path before you. Who would you say are some of those people in your life growing up now, whatever, that have helped at different seasons intersect with your story and speak truth and, and help you in the moment where you needed it? Yeah, so growing up, it really was just my mom because with being so involved with soccer and even other sports there was never I never had time to either go to church sometimes because I was traveling or go to small groups or even like the Wednesday night groups for kids stuff and so I never had a group of people that I really could be like these are like Christ-centered people I could learn from it was always my mom but leading up to that now in college I'm just now finding people who I can follow and who I look up to major like as examples for just Christ-led, loving people who can just really help me with my faith and help me understand better what I'm wanting to learn and wanting to teach and others to learn about God and just how great of an experience it is. What is it about the relationships that you formed recently? When did you realize, I need this? Because there was a lot of, like, honestly, like self-reliance and self-dependence necessary. Like you had, you had to bet on you. You had to believe in yourself it was your skill, it was your work ethic, it was your attention to detail that led to you being even in the ballpark of being able to be a college athlete. It doesn't matter what your parents did. And yeah, sure, you probably inherited genes that helped along the way, but you had to put in the work, whatever. So with all of that self-reliance and self-dependence, like, what was it that helped you realize, I can't do this for myself, by myself? And then what was it about those people that helped kind of draw you in. Yeah. And also just to touch on it, because I know people will probably assume like you're on a team with like 20 girls. How could you not have like Mm -hmm. the community and a relationship with all of them? But it is very different from when you're on the field in the locker room to outside the locker room. And so I found my community outside of the field. So what helped me kind of discover that was just during this past like year of just almost just hardship within myself and just in my own mind, I was like, I need others to help me. I need to find there's, I'm lacking something Mm. and I don't know what. And so kind of the only place I knew where to turn to was the church. And so, and that's where I just really found my community was I just kind of decided to show up and I came on the night that they were doing life groups and I've never been a part of a life group. Mm. And I was honestly so nervous just to be like, okay, I'm about to, sign up for something with people I have no idea who they are. They don't know me, but like, 
let's see what happens. And then just really found that there were others out there that were just as broken as me that were seeking the same thing that I was seeking. And so I love that you said you just had to show up like you had to make that decision. Because I think for me, that was such a hard step to make. Like I have to just do it and be bold. So that took a lot, I'm sure, for you to make that decision. But you felt the tug enough to be like, I need this and it's it's time, which is awesome. Yeah, I love that. The idea, first of all, that you have to show up. And then you said you recognize that there were other people that were mm. just as broken as you. And and sometimes I think we, we convince ourselves that we're the only one walking through something or we're the only one experiencing something. The reason that sometimes we think our story doesn't have value is because, well, nobody else's story is like my story. And so no one else will connect or it, this won't be meaningful to anyone else. But it's when we step into those circles and realize, wait a second, these people are hurting, they're struggling, uh, but they still are showing up. They still have hope. There's still something there that like draws us in, right? But then we begin to realize, man, it's not just because they have everything together and they've got it all figured out. What was it like for you or what is it like for you separating Jordan the athlete from Jordan the person? Because I would assume I, I was not a college athlete at all. I love sports to death. Like I, I think sports are the best thing ever, except soccer. But I'm just kidding. Oh, I'm just I love kidding. soccer. <laughs> Whoa, Chris, you. get out I really just, you. I just wanted to see what the reaction That's, was. I'm out of here. Yeah. That's it. No. Hi, Jordan. Thank you for coming. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> no, I, I love all sports. I am terrible at soccer, which is why I said that. But I really enjoy watching soccer. But I would imagine you would not want your identity solely wrapped up in that, right? There's something to Jordan outside of Jordan, the athlete, Jordan, the Texas A&M soccer player. How, like, how do you process that? How do you compute that? And then what does that look like with the people around you? Yeah. And for sure, there's definitely a big identity with who I am as a person and as an athlete. And it's, it's, I won't lie. It's really hard to almost distinguish the difference between the Mm. two. And it's not even a as a, I don't know who I am, but it's that I've been the same for so long yeah. that it almost feels like, well, it's just, that's my identity. It's like, it's I'm crazy, yeah. not just an athlete. Like, that's what I'm here for. I'm here for you to just tell me, put on the uniform, get on the field. And so it wasn't until just recently I had a talk with one of my now super close friends about, he was really drilling me, like, who are you? Yeah, I said, I don't, I'm an athlete. Like, that's it. That's all I know. That's really all I know. And so I've really like come to terms to think about it. I'm like, okay, like who is Jordan? How do I separate the two people? But the common denominator, no matter if I am on the field or off the field is I am Jordan. That is a child of God. Yeah. And that's what connects me with anybody. And I'm still trying to figure out like who I am on the field. Like, what do I like? What do I not like? Who, who, who am I Yeah. if I'm not an athlete? It's just a, it's a work in progress still. <laughs> I'll just say that. I'm still trying to figure it all out, but I know there's more to me than just yeah. kicking a soccer ball. Do you feel like there has to be a clear distinction between the two? I don't think so, but something our coach always says is that no matter where you are, where whether you are on the field or not, you're wearing the A&M jersey. Yeah. And so I don't think because there is a matter of respect when you are an athlete and there is an expectation for you, you should carry it off the field. I like you, we are proud to be 
members of the athletic community and sure. to represent A&M on a bigger level. But I, with that comes the responsibility of representing maybe things that others should know too that aren't just involved with athletics. Like, for example, so we kind of sponsor the Turn It Gold event. Have you guys heard of that? I have, all? yeah. And so it's pediatric cancer. Yeah. And a big member who's a part of that was Johnny Menzel. And because he got put on that platform, he was able to be who he was off the field too, which was a lover mm-hmm. of Christ and then a supporter for child cancer. Yeah. And he really brought attention to it. So I think there's definitely the extra level of who we are, who what do we represent as an individual and it brings it up a level to who we represent as an athlete. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really table. good. It's almost like you have to discover who you are as a person mm-hmm. to then leverage who you are as an ath- yeah. athlete, mm-hmm. right? Because if, if your identity is just wrapped up in what happens on the pitch, mm-hmm. what happens while you're playing this game, then there's no substance beyond that. And so your identity and your worth and your life rises and falls based on your performance on the field. But if you begin to discover who you are as a child of God, who you are as a human being, then you can leverage what's happening on the field to then bring a voice or shine a light on what else is going on in your life. Definitely, definitely. That's awesome. So as you have been walking this journey, and there seems to be a lot of self-discovery that's happened recently over the last year and um, figuring out who you are, finding community, what would you say are some things that you have learned that you like grab a hold of now? It's like, man, this is this is really important to who I want to be or to what my growth looks like or the type of person that I want to surround myself with. Something really big. I've been focusing on it for the past month, maybe, because it just it rocked my world when I heard it. And so I did kind of a little like I have the little Bible app mm-hmm. and had a little plan in it, but some a note that it said was. To be a source of love, you have to have a source of love. Mm. And I thought it was great. And it was from like John 4, 7. But what it was just basically saying is we have a source of love, which is God. And we show other people who we are by loving them. Yeah. And that's something to me that I want to become is I want to open up and show others love and show them they are accepted and that we, we are the church kind of a thing. And to where... I want to focus on accepting everybody as who they are, not as just an athlete, not as just a student, as a real person that has real feelings and like just things going on in their life. That's a big thing to me. I think that's awesome, especially being a student athlete. Like for a lot of people, that's what they see you as. And the love, like the whole love topic is one of my favorite things because it's so much more than an emotion. It really is the action. Um, And so getting to practice that and being something you're learning Um, it's just going to elevate the platform you have as a student athlete, like an identifying, I understand this now, let me show this and put it into action. And I think that's a really awesome lesson to learn. What else has your journey taught you along the way? What are some other things that you've learned? Man, just some other things that I've learned is really that it's all God's plan. Like his will be done. And no matter like where you end up, no matter what's going on in your life, you're there for a reason, whether it's your reason to be there or your reason to help somebody else. Okay. I want to, I want to push back on that a little bit (laughs) because I like, I'm not because I disagree with you, Yeah. but I think that sometimes it's easy for us to say that, right? Oh, everything happens for a reason or it's all in God's will, whatever. How do you process that when things are not going well? 
I won't lie. It's hard to process that because it's hard to think if I'm really here and there's a reason I'm here, then why is this happening? Why, why mm-hmm. would you do this? And I fought with that for a long time after this past year because I really thought during that two weeks when I got the opportunity to come here, okay, there's a reason I'm going here. There's something calling me here. I have to be here. And when this whole past season kind of happened, it was like, why am I here if this isn't my opportunity? And I think just to kind of, you know, kind of fight back with you on that is just that you have to understand who you are and what you believe in and kind of just full like faith. You just have to trust that's the, that's the process and you just have to grind it out and then see maybe if there's your opportunity is still there or if it is time to maybe pray about it, think about it and say, maybe there's something else I'm missing and need to find my next calling. That's, I mean, that's good. Yeah. Like I, I think that there's so much maturity in that viewpoint in in that response that it's finding purpose even when there's pain involved. It's recognizing that the plan may not be our ideal plan, but that God always has the better way. Like that Jesus truly is better. And and even though, and I think sometimes, and I know I do this, I convince myself that what I want is what's best for me. And it's in those moments where I can realize that mm-hmm. may not actually be what's yeah. best for me that I then can begin to find value in, in where I am or, or something that may be going differently than, than what I expected. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, even like for me, if I didn't have this past season of my life that I had had, I wouldn't have refound my passion in like singing. Yeah. And it was because of that being drawn in that I'm taking now new opportunities to maybe explore who I am outside of athletics and have different doors open that I never thought I would open again kind of a thing. That's That's so cool. That's so cool. And then even like your recognition of your need for community and you being in this place of like questioning and figuring out why am I here? What am am I going through? Man, it's, I just feel like if we have to walk through the pain, find some redeeming value. Yeah. Like don't pitch a tent and camp out in the mess. Like find a redeeming value, which is exactly what you've done. You've you've leveraged the season you were in and the pain and the growth and the difficulty, and you've come out on the other side. And, and you're going to go through it again, but you've come out on the other side and you've said, hey, I want to find value. I want to find purpose and where I am. And what's going on? What What would you say? How has that changed you? Like the things that you do, how you view yourself, you view your relationships, you view work, whatever that is. How like what does that mean now? So I've really thought about that, and I've really thought about how how is finding community changed me. And I know you guys are probably familiar with it, but the parable of the lost son kind of story about the, there are two sons and one left. He was like, I'm out of here. And the other stayed and worked. And for the longest time, I always related to that story as the son who stayed. Yeah. I forever was so bitter and angry and tired and just like, I don't understand why I'm here. I'm doing the work. Why Mm -hmm. isn't it working? Like, why have I not been recognized? And it wasn't until recently that I've, really thought about it and discovered that now finding my community, I'm the other son. It's now celebrated that I've been found and I 
just I just told my friend the other day I said I feel like I've finally been seen as not just like as an athlete but I've been seen like as somebody who is deserving to be loved by others wow. not just by my performance on a field mm. and so it's really changed my life by showing there is more worth than me than whether I stop a goal today or if I make a bad pass there's more there's more to me than just showing up and putting on a uniform so that's good that's really really good it's <laughs> got a tear out of me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh Man. no i mean if that's something that breaks my heart is when people don't feel seen like they just don't feel important they don't feel loved and i i i just can't imagine someone feeling that way and so the fact though that like you have now like like you said, you're now the lost one that comes home. Like one of my favorite stories, like I think it's one that people say could be cliche because we hear all the time, but there is so much power in that and it's so true. And so I'm just thankful for you and that being your story. Well, thank you. <laughs> Reality is somebody listening to this still feels like the first son. Mm, yeah. They still feel like the, the one who's paid their dues, they put in their time and no one sees them, no one recognizes them. What would you say now that you feel like you've, been on the other side of that what would you say to that person man I would say I recognize it and there are others who recognize that feeling we know what you are going through and there are people out there and you might find them now you might find them tomorrow or you might find them in five years but they know that too and they're willing to show you love and they're willing to show you acceptance in who you are and to show you that you're more than what you think you are. You're a child of God and you are worth something and you are wanting to be seen and you will be seen by someone. That's awesome. Who is Jordan Burbank five years from now? Jordan Burbank in five years from now, I plan on being just a devoted follower who just wants to lead others and really just portray the love that I have been shown whether it's if I'm still here in Texas, <laughs> if I'm in Oklahoma or in Nashville, just showing them the kindness that I have been shown here. That is so cool. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask a follow-up question to that because mm -hmm. if someone had asked you that question five years ago and said, hey, who's Jordan Burbank five years from now, who, what would you have said? I would have straight up said, I'm going to be playing college soccer, might go pro. I'm just going to stick with soccer and see where it goes. Maybe maybe become a college-like agent, maybe become a coach. I don't know. I love that not only has that transformation happened, but I, I really think you have recognized mm -hmm. that transformation, which has been really cool, is that you have seen that. And that's not to discount soccer at all. You're still very talented. You're, you're a part of the team, and the future could be very bright there but that you have come to this place where that's not the only thing that matters. It still matters. It is still on the table, but it's not the only thing that identifies you. It's not the only thing that defines you. Um, and so when you look into the future, it isn't about what you're going to be doing. It's about who you are. And I think that that's super cool. Yeah. And it's been really awesome to learn that I can take the blinders off. Like I've had blinders yeah. on so long to focus on this yeah. one thing in my life for 18 years yeah. and to finally have them lifted and be like, okay, like there's more to me. There's mm -hmm. more to the story. How does that, really how awesome. does that make you feel for you to realize about yeah. yourself? There's more to me. So much pressure lifted away. Like everything can come into place and I don't have to worry about what's going to happen next. Mm. 
and it really just falls back to trust. And that's my word of the year. I don't know if you guys do it. Oh, for it. 100%. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but I pick a word of the year and it's the first time I've actually done it. Oh, I love it. And I've it. picked trust and all over everything I've written Philippians four, 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 four through six. Just don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. And that's just really something that I've just learned is it doesn't matter what happens today. It's about focusing about getting there tomorrow. I just think it's so, it's so awesome to see the perspective change. Um, even how you're talking about like now you're just seeing the different opportunities, like your passions of like singing has now come back into the light because like we talked about your pressure is now off. Like there's so much more freedom in that and God being able to push you and urge you to different things with the different people coming into your life. Um, and there's just so much power in that. And so it's really awesome that that's clicked. It's so exciting. I love it. Well, Jordan, I have had the pleasure of knowing you now um, for just uh, six, nine months. And uh, to see the shift in not only the fact that you are now discovering things about yourself, but to see the light in your eyes. Mm. I think that's been my favorite part is for when those discoveries have happened, it has begun to really shift how you see yourself, which I think has helped you to buy in that other people could see that in you as well, which I think is super cool. And to know that God, God does have more for you um, than just being identified by a skill or a talent. That's again, that leverage that for who you are, but that's just a thing. And, And I think that it's really, really cool that you've begun to discover that and it's shaped so much of who you are. It's really, really awesome. So Yeah, and I just want to say something real quick. I, I just feel like God's giving you this gift of like encouraging people because it's so easy to be around you. And every time I see you interact with someone, like it's like you are the light in the room in that moment. And there's just so much life and joy. Like you have fully invested in just being a part of the college ministry and being around these people. And it is so much fun to watch and see how people love you. And so you're incredible and know that. and know that you are more than just an athlete. You are Jordan Burbank. <laughs> Thank loves Jesus, you. so Thank it's incredible. You. That's awesome. Okay, before we let you go, Jordan, we are going to play a little game that we call Favorite Things. And you're actually, I say we call it this, uh, you're the first person we played this game with. So, yes, um, game. So what's going to happen is music's playing in the background and you have three seconds to Name respond it? to say what your favorite thing is. And so Emmy is going to fire off rapid fire. She's just going to tell you a topic and we want to know what your favorite thing is. First thing that comes to your head, and then we're going to go to the next topic. So, All you right, ready? I'm ready. I'm ready? ready. Okay, here we go. And go. Animal. Dog. Vacation spot. Disney. Hobby. Singing. Game. Jenga. Good one. Jenga. There we go. Nice. What's your favorite emoji? Laughing face. Music artist. Garth Brooks. Place to shop. Dillard's. <laughs> Shops at Dillard's. <laughs> what? So what? You just said your favorite place Honestly, to shop. Stop the music. Not you just that. said your favorite place to shop is Dillard's. It's like, well, you I are see, in college. Benny. You're in college. <laughs> wow. I don't ever shop. You have to understand, like, I'm never shopping, but when I go get something, I'm like, hmm, I guess I'll go to Dillard's. I don't know. They have jeans and shirts. Oh, oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> I wear the same clothes, like, at the A&M stuff every day. What, I don't That's know where fair. else to get it. That's fair. That's like- Your full wardrobe has been provided <laughs> to you by Texas A&M Soccer. Okay, start the music back up. Okay, a couple dun, more. Dun, dun. And holiday. Uh, mm, Christmas. Flower. Rose. TV show. Bachelor. Book. <laughs> Maximum ride. Dance move. The Quan. 
Okay, we'll have to see that later. <laughs> I wish this was a video podcast so y'all could see her do the corner right now. That'd be great. Um, what's your favorite superhero? Captain America. Because mm. he's like probably an anagram type six. You know, Probably, oh, identify with him. All right, all right. <laughs> there we go. There we go. That's all we got. And those are Jordan Burbank's favorite things. Uh, you said favorite book was what? Maximum Ride. What is that? So it's by James Patterson. Okay. And you guys are going to think I'm crazy. No, no, no. Too late. <laughs> Too late. We already do. <laughs> you shop at Dillard's. Yeah, After the Dillard's and dance moves, it was all downhill. So Maximum Ride is about um, this girl who has wings. She was genetically modified and has wings. And she was, she lives with like a little family, and they all are like crazy okay. flying people. So they all can fly. She's not yeah. the only one. Okay, no, so she doesn't have to one. like fly them There's to like the grocery store and stuff. Yeah, okay, no, cool. no, no. They cool. they fly together as a flock. Do they fly to Dillard's <laughs> and do the Quan? <laughs> they do. That's where I learned. Like that's the best place okay. to shop and hit the dance moves is awesome. from that book. Dillard's. Who knew? Well, there you go. Well, thank you so much, Jordan, for joining us on the Story Worth Sharing podcast. It has been a pleasure and it's been fun getting to know a little bit more about you and, and helping you share your story. If you're listening to this and you like what you hear, we would love it if you would subscribe. And hey, Jordan just had the boldness to share her story with you. And I want to challenge you to share some of your story with somebody else today. Find somebody. It could be a, uh, a gas station attendant. It could be your neighbor. It could be somebody sitting on the bus next to you and start up a conversation open up the door and begin to share your story because you have a story that is worth sharing. So until next time, Emmy, it's been good. It's been so much fun. This might be one of my favorites. See, look at that, Jordan. You <laughs> you and your Dillard shopping <laughs> rose to the top of Emmy's list. Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> Who all knew it took, Dillard's? That's all, all it took say. was some Dillard's in the corn. Really caught me off guard. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Well, thank you again, and we will catch you next time. Bye, friends. Story We're Sharing podcast.